when I decided to put that video of John F. Kennedy in 1961 addressing Congress before you as an illustration of the beginning of this message, I didn't really think about the fact that today we were going to have a business meeting. And what he was just saying was that would be one of the most expensive endeavors, and he was in front of Congress asking for money. So that means that you may be sitting there thinking, what am I in for and this business meeting, right? Well, that's not the case, and that's not the reason that I put the video up there. I put the video up there because John F. Kennedy in 1961 challenged NASA, who had only put a satellite in space three years prior, that within the next nine years in that decade, that they could send a man to the moon and back safely. And within probably minutes of the end of the speech that you just saw, people began to comment. And they commented exactly what I would have commented. This is way too expensive. What are we thinking? NASA estimated instantly that it would cost $7 billion to send a man to the moon. Seven days later, they upped it to $20 billion. And when it was all said and done, we spent $125 billion in the endeavor. It's way too expensive. People said there's no science for this. Nobody's been to the moon. We don't know what the atmosphere is like. We don't know what the surface of the moon's like. We just don't know. It can't be done. It's too far away, 289,000 miles away. Seriously? We're going to send a man there and back. And what's the point? I mean, this goal is just way too big. And that is what many Americans responded when JFK gave the speech. You know, we in the church aren't immune to those same voices. We hear those same things. The influences that we hear from naysayers, from seeing obstacles, the challenges that we face, people have questions, we have fears about what we're called to do. And so as a result of those influences, sometimes I fear and I hate that we limit what we're called to do. We limit our dreams and we settle for something less. And I hate it. I hate it because I'm as guilty as anyone. I'm the numbers guy. The first thing I think is, how are we going to afford this? How are we going to pull this off? How can we raise the money? Where can it come from? I'm just wired that way. To illustrate, I brought a glass of water. Now, you're all looking at that, and you all have a thought, right? The glass isn't full, but the question is, is it half full or is it half empty? Now, I don't know how many of you will see that half full, but I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that that glass is half empty because <laughs> that's the way I see everything in life. Ask my wife. There's no question in my mind that when I look at something, it's half empty. And that's why 
we end up limiting what God can do. That's why we worry. That's why we fear. Because we'll never be sure whether God will provide. But God has bigger dreams for us than we do. His dreams, his call, his mission is so much larger than what we oftentimes think. When we look at the glass and I think it's half empty, that's not the way God sees it. And the dreams that he has for us, for you, for me, for Restoration Church, and for our community are much larger than anything that we can dream. He believes and he has a great love and a great mission for us as a church and for all of us individually. But before we get into a passage that talks about that, a prayer that Paul prays for the Ephesians, I want to take a moment to thank God for his provision over the last year and to thank you and honor you for all that you've done being faithful to his call over this past year. So let me show you where we're at financially. This shows the overall financial report for the general fund it's projected because technically we're not at the end of June yet. Um, but our budget, you can see there, $423,000. That's what I presented last year. And our income this year has been $447,000. So we're well over budget in terms of income. Our expenses, though slightly over budget, are still well below. And so today we have an overall surplus at the end of the year of almost $18,000, which is amazing. It's wonderful. And this is the general fund. The general fund is the thing that turns the lights on. It pays the salaries. It covers the insurance. It's all the things about ministry that we do. Later on, we'll talk about some other things. But if you go to the next slide, this shows our income by month. And the graph, it's a little bit hard to see the green line that goes kind of up, across, and down. But the green line is our budget line. So long as we're above that line, then we're above budget. And if we're below that line, we're below budget. The blue bars represent the amount of money that we received in giving on any given month. And the red is the amount of tuition. And it's a little bit hard to tell from that graph right there. But giving was below budget for the year. But tuition was well above budget for the year. And so thus the surplus that we had on the previous slide. And if you go on to the next, this graph shows our giving comparing last year to this year. The blue bars represent all of the months this year what we received. The red bars represent all of the months what we received last year. And so you can see the trend is very similar. There are some months where last year was a little bit better than this year. There are trends where this year was better than last year. But it's close and similar in terms of its pattern. The next slide gives the actual values for giving. And this year we received $351,000 compared to last year receiving $346,000. So our giving is up by $5,000. That's where we're at in terms of the general fund. And praise God, because the surplus means that we have additional funds to use for ministry for the future. And your giving, thank you, was faithful. It was faithful through a year that was strange. It was up and it was down. It was the end of COVID, and yet somehow it still feels like it lingers. It's just a very strange time. I wonder when we'll ever get to say that COVID's actually over and we can move on. Maybe never. I don't know. 
if we go on to the next slide, these are the other funds. So the prior year surplus that you see at the top, that's the net of the surpluses that we've had since we started back eight years ago. So there's $126,000, which we will be adding to this year, the money that I just talked about. Um, the Little Blessings has a surplus as well. This is from tuition that they've received over the years where they spent or they had more tuition coming in than they had spent. The other funds that are listed here are things that are designated for specific giving related to a project or a specific need within the church. The capital fund is designed not specifically related to the capital campaign that we're working on. This is the capital fund that we've always had to fund, whether it's a building project or a repair, something that's out of the ordinary that we need. The fellowship fund is there along with Be Rich. Um, that money is used to help people in our community, people within our church, people that have special needs at different times. The missions trip fund, unfortunately we have not had the opportunity to go on a missions trip because of everything that's transpired in the last few years, but we look forward to next year, next summer, sending a team down to Bolivia to go on a missions trip to visit the church that we have partnered with in the past in Cochabamba, Bolivia. So those funds have been given and you'll hear more about that trip in the, over the course of the next year. And the last up there, the health insurance fund. If you've been with us for a while, then you know that the health insurance became so expensive that we had to find a way to um, have a self-funded plan. And so we found an organization called CHM that allows you for ministries, Christian ministries, to share health insurance expenses. It's far less expensive than traditional uh, health insurance that you probably are all very aware of. Um, but part of that is that if there are expenses that go beyond and above what can be shared, then we as the church have to cover those funds. And so for both the Manders and the Pessions, those are the two individuals on our payroll that are full-time and have health insurance benefits, we have this health insurance fund. The attorney that helped us set up the plan originally recommended that we get to a goal of $60,000. We've been contributing to this fund uh, monthly over the past several years and we're there. So we don't have to fund this, which is a great help in balancing the budget for next year in terms of where we're at with health insurance fund. <clears throat> if you move on to the next slide, uh, the Building Bridges Capital Campaign and the coffee shop. Now this is what we've been talking about over the last several weeks. And last week we announced that the capital fund or the capital campaign pledges had come in and after numerous times where Ross put you all the way to the edge of your seat and then made you wait just, you know, because he had one more thing to say, I was so afraid that he was going to say we were going to go to commercial break before we <laughs> announced the number because that's what you see everywhere else. Okay, so we announced $465,000 in pledges. And you, if you didn't read your email this week, should be wondering why in the world does it say $400,000 up there, not $465,000. The reason for that is because there were a couple of errors that were made when we recorded pledges and the way they were typed in. Um, and so there were a few pledges where people pledged the amount that was in the far column, which was really the, if you multiplied that amount times 13 people, instead of if you just pledged that amount. So because of that, instead of $465,000, we are right at our goal of $400,000, which is not necessarily a disappointment, because remember my half-full expectation? I fully believed with a goal of $400,000 that we would reach 320. 
And I would have been thrilled to stand up here and say, we have been pledged $320,000. But instead, I stand before you and say, no, we reached our goal, that God was faithful through all of you to pledge. And there may be still some people, um, I spoke with somebody, or Mary spoke with somebody this in the past week, who's still thinking about pledging, and so they're not sure what they're going to do, and they're still praying about it, which is great. That's perfectly fine. This is where we're at with the pledges. We've received $102,800. As a result of that, um, the elders made some decisions on Thursday night about how we would start to fund some of the projects. We're starting to move forward with the parking lot, both out front and out back. Um, We have money that we need to give to the bridge to get it started, and we've signed some contracts for design and build out, some of those kinds of things. So projects are starting. But we also wanted to give 10% of it to Converge for church planting because we felt like if we've been blessed with this money, we want to tithe just the same way that God calls us to tithe personally. And so we're going to send $10,000 to Converge Mid-Atlantic for this year. So we're thrilled to be able to use the funds that are coming in from the capital campaign already and look forward to the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of you to give and to bring us to the goals with the things that we're doing. Coffee shop itself because of not pledges to the capital campaign, but giving specifically to the coffee shop, has already received $52,000, as you can see up there. And that's prior to any money that we're going to push over from the capital campaign to it. So, things are moving along. God is moving. God is working. You are faithful. Thank you for that. The budget. The budget for next year. So, overall... The budget for next year is $460,000, which means that we're looking at raising giving from $358,000 to $365,000, and we're raising tuition from $65,000 to $95,000. Now, that may sound like we're going to charge a lot of people an awful lot more money for preschool, but the reality is we had dropped the budget down to $65,000 when COVID came in 2020. And then last year, we were very uncertain about what would happen with registrations and number of students and what would COVID resurge and what was going to happen. So we decided to leave that number low at 65000 This year, we received a little over $95,000 from registration and tuition for the preschool. And so instead of leaving that number low and going way beyond it, which makes no sense when you budget, <clears throat> we're going to bring the number up to where it should be. Registration so far, if all the students show up in the fall, are already expected to be over $95,000, not tons over $95,000, but we think this is a very good number for the budget. So we're not, we did raise tuition rates because the tuition rate always goes up a little bit, but tuition's being jumped up mostly because it's catching up from the COVID budget to a real budget of where we're at with tuition. If you go to the next slide, Um, Salary and benefits are going up quite a bit. A big part of this reason is because we've added two staff members between last year's budget and this year's budget. We brought Josh Logan on uh, to help out with the church and with spiritual development and things here at the church. And we brought Marion McKnight on in the preschool to help out as a teacher or assistant as well. Um, And so those two numbers get added in. But this also represents a 4% raise that we're going to give to all of our staff members Um, both in the preschool and in the church. So that number goes up quite a bit. We're going to see in a minute that the number for missions goes down quite a bit because Josh Logan comes over. Instead of being a missionary that we supported as a church, he's now an employee for the church. 
So if you go on to the next slide, <coughs> this represents pretty much just the increases that would happen in normal everyday life. Um, the building goes up some. Operating expenses, we actually dropped down a little bit. Um, we're hoping that we'll continue to have winters the way we have. We have not spent anywhere near what we had budgeted in the past with regards to plowing, and so we're hoping that that trend will continue. Uh, missions, I already mentioned, drops down quite a bit. That's the result of Josh going over to become an employee. And then the ministry budget, all the ministries overall within the church and what they're at budgeted at. <clears throat> so if you go to the next slide, the overall budget then is an increase of 8.7%. It's a budget, oh, it's an increase of $37,000. 30 of it comes from tuition, as I described. Seven of it comes from giving. But the reality is giving was still under budget this year. So though we were over in terms of giving an income to expenses, we were under in terms of giving to budget. So we're hoping to see an increase in giving of $14,000 over actual giving this year. So we still have a challenge placed in front of us. So in some senses, I guess I am coming to you much like JFK did to Congress and asking you for funds. But nonetheless, um, this is not a dramatic increase, uh, but an increase nonetheless to reach budget. So we have one other issue or one other question um, to answer today in terms of the budget and the um, business meeting. And if you go to the next slide, <coughs> Tim McCleary, who is back in the back, as you probably all know, um, because that's where he likes to be, back by the soundboard. Um, he's returning from sabbatical. He's had the last year off as an elder. Um, and <coughs> he'll be returning. But to do that, to rejoin the elder board, we look for a vote of the congregation to do so. So I will be sending out a ballot this week to all the partners. You'll get an email. It'll include the budget, so you'll see the details of the budget. Um, and it'll ask you to vote for the budget, and it'll ask you to vote on Tim McCleary returning as an elder. If you go to the next slide, this is what I just said. Um, but if you do have any questions, because I'm not going to take them now, um, but if you do have any questions about the budget, about where we're at, about any of those numbers and things that we put up there, um, please feel free to see me afterwards. Um, if you want to, my email address is up there. You can feel free to shoot me an email. If you're a partner, you'll be receiving an email from me this week. Um, and again, it will have the ballot where you can just reply to the email and vote for or against the budget, for or against Tim McCleary returning as an elder. So. I want to make sure that we appropriately thank God for all that he's done and to thank you for your generosity. It's not unless we as a community are faithful to what God calls us to that I can present a business meeting with results like you've seen. And I praise God that for eight years now, I've been able to say the same thing to you that he's been faithful, that you've been faithful, that we've been generous, and that God is blessed. And to thank God, I want to read you the end of the prayer that we want to talk about for the rest of the morning. So in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, Paul writes, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations.
forever and ever. Amen. God has been good. God is good. And God has plans. The prayer that this passage ends, Paul's prayer, is a short prayer written to the Ephesians in chapter 3. And it focuses on power and it focuses on love. It focuses on the power of God's spirit that he is pouring out, that Paul is asking him to pour out on us, on the Ephesians, that they would have a supernatural energy to be able to look at what God's love means, to look at the infinite, the beyond imagination, the beyond understanding love that God has for us and for the world. The song that Kate sang us at the beginning about a thousand names only begins to describe who God is. And Paul, in this passage, talks about how God's love is just as infinite, that we will spend our lives in an attempt to explore it, but we will never, ever reach the end of it. So if we go back to where the prayer begins, Ephesians 3, starting in verse 16, Paul writes, I pray that out of his glorious riches... Now, whatever Paul's about to pray for, he said, God has an abundance. He has tons of it. It's his glorious riches, like a storeroom that's full, and he wants to share with you. He says, I pray out of his glorious riches, and then goes on, that he might strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart. Paul's prayer is that God would, through his spirit, give you power, give me power, give us power in our inner beings. Something that's not just because I exercised, something that's not just because I can do it, but something that goes beyond us. It's his spirit, and it's Christ dwelling in your heart through faith. But what does this look like? So he goes on and he writes, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love. It's not power to go tear down walls. It's not power to go defeat enemies. It's power that results in a life of love that's rooted and established in love. And what does that love look like? Paul continues, that we may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. The power that Paul is praying for is so that we can know God's love. God's love is so large. It's so deep. It's so big that knowing it is something we can't accomplish. Knowing it and understanding it means that we need his help to even do it. We need his strength to be able to explore it. It's that large. It would be like dropping you in the middle of Africa and saying, take a look around. It's so big. It's a huge continent. How could you ever, ever experience all that's there. 
God's love is the same. It's so high and deep and wide. Paul goes on and finishes his prayer. says that you may be filled up to the measure of all the fullness of God. When we understand God's love, as we in a lifelong journey experience God's love, as we explore it further and further and further, then we are filled up to the measure of all the fullness of God. What does that mean? Paul's prayer is that the power of God would fuel our love and that our love would then mirror God's love. And what did God's love look like? God's love looked like the person of Jesus Christ. We know exactly what God's love looked like because he sent it here. We sent him here to live among us, to live life and experience what we experience. Paul's concerned about the outcome that results from this power, from this lifelong journey, from this experience. Paul doesn't want us just to serve. I mean, it's good to do that. But he's not calling us to serve on Sunday morning in Kidsmen. And he's not just calling us to serve shared meals every other Friday or every Friday, every other month. He's calling us to be servants. To be servants, to be people that look for needs. Where I can help. What can I do? Not just to fill a box, not just to check a box. Paul doesn't want us just to love. It's convenient for me to love my wife when all is going well. And it's great for me to love my children when they're obeying and they are honoring me and they are making my life easy. But we're not called to just love when it's convenient. We're called to be lovers of people. We're called to look out for the best interest of everyone around us. Even that neighbor that drives me nuts. Even that person at work that everybody thinks is strange. We are called to be lovers of people. Paul doesn't want us to just give thanks. Because we give thanks when the budget's met. And we give thanks when the numbers are good. And we give thanks when the pledges are there. That's easy. We're not called to just give thanks when everything's easy. We're called to be thankful people. We're called to be thankful people in the middle of COVID. We're be called to be thankful people if the budget isn't met. We're called to be thankful people because it gives us an opportunity to have an avenue to communicate with God. And that avenue brings us power and strength through prayer. Paul's prayer is a prayer much deeper than just something to help you. His prayer is a goal, a goal that we would look so much like Jesus that the world would be drawn to us, much the way it was drawn to Jesus Christ. And that this power, that this love would fuel and have the same impact that Jesus had, but today in our community that we're called to be like Jesus, to love and to care and to help just like Jesus. What's the response? Well, most often, it's that it's ridiculous. Jesus was the Son of God. 
the glass is half empty. Really? We can't be Jesus in our community? How can we do that? I mean, go back and look at what Jesus did. He healed people. He raised people from the dead. He fed 5,000. How could we possibly be expected to do that? I mean, it is just impossible to do the things that Jesus did. And if I'm too generous, if I give too much away, then what might happen to me? What might happen to my family? What might happen to my life? We at church, oftentimes we feel like, but faith is just a personal thing. It's my life and I'm making sure that I'm in a good place. I'm connected to God and I'm praying, but I'm not going to change the world too much. That seems way too scary. And I think sometimes we just want to make sure that we do the things that we succeed at. We're going to keep offering the same programs because we do VBS really well. So let's not touch that. We're not going to change that. We're not going to do anything with that. But God calls us to so much more. He's got bigger dreams than even we have. So although these are responses, and though, honestly, some of those responses are mine, and I'm sure that some of those responses are ours, God calls us to a much better response. And it's what we read earlier, and it's the passage that we go back to that ends Paul's prayer. Because after he's prayed what he just did, is when he writes, Now to him who is able. It's not that we are able. At the end of this message, you should feel like you're incapable. That's where you should be. Because Paul says, and God knows that he is the one who's able, not us, to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. I think it's important, and I would be not true to myself if I didn't say that this passage does not say that God will do everything we can imagine or everything we ask because that's not what the passage says it says that he is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine when we are asking and imagining in accordance with God's plan, then he will do immeasurably more than we can imagine. But it doesn't give us just a carte blanche, ask and it will be given. The plans that we have here at Restoration Church, we believe God has laid on the church's heart to love our community, to reach out to it. And we believe that God will do immeasurably more than we've even asked. And it's according to his power that's at work within us. Again, it's not our power. We don't have the wherewithal just within us. Ross or Kate or the elders or us. We can't do it within our own power. We have to rely on God. To him be the glory. It's for God's sake. We do this to bring glory to his name, to make him be famous, not to make us look good, not to make Restoration Church look like the best church. It's to bring God glory. And it's in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God has been working this plan 
for thousands of years. And he has years to come. He knows. He knows when the plan will end. He knows when he will have accomplished all that he set out to do. The love of Christ lived out and activated in the lives of his people changed the world once. And it can happen again. The love of God that we have been talking about this morning is at the foundation and it's the heartbeat of everything that we do as a church and will continue to do. So, do we settle for the mundane of the average, for doing what we always do? Do we let our community settle for the way they live? Or do we be a people that thrive, understanding that we have an influence among those around us to bring love and peace and hope to a community around us, to neighbors and coworkers. Look, I know there are still a million questions that need to be answered. And we're prepared for the naysayers, people that say that the church is irrelevant, that we don't know what we're doing, that we're just sailing a sinking ship. I mean, the culture that we live in doesn't have much interest in the message that we bring. And yet, that same culture is looking for love in every breath they take. The love of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ will prevail. On July 20th, 1969, only 164 days left in the decade, Neil Armstrong stepped out of the lunar lander and put his feet on the moon's surface. And then days later, he returned home safely. And clearly, if we could send a man to the moon and back safely, then God's love, that is, wider and deeper and higher and longer than from here to the moon, can change us and it can change our community. We have an exciting future. Are you ready to join with us? Let's pray. God, it is your plan. It is your purpose. And we are your vessels, your servants. Father, we come to you recognizing that we can't do it in our own power. But we also confess that we try. Lord, we sometimes fear and we sometimes question and we're not sure, but you are. And so, God, you have called us to this mission. You have placed us in this community. May we be willing to share your love, Lord, when it's easy and when it's hard. May we be willing to step in and help those around us. Lord, when we see needs. And may we be committed to all that you've called us to. In Jesus' name, amen.